Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. I'm so blessed that you're tuned in to today's program. My name is Jeff Figgs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley up in northern Colorado, and I'm ready to take your questions and your prayer requests. You just heard the number to call in to be a part of the show to be able to ask your questions, maybe about your Bible reading, that uh, some thoughts have come up, questions, you need some clarity, understanding. Uh, maybe you got a question about Christian living or some of the things that we see around us, uh, events. How do we react? How do we respond? What's our worldview? I want to encourage you the best way that I know how and can with the help of the Lord uh, in the things of the Lord, uh, to have a eternal perspective, a spiritual perspective, a biblical uh, perspective on uh, all those things that uh, come before us. And you just heard that number that you can be a part of the program, 303-690-3000. We have open lines. Give me a call. Uh, I hope you're having a blessed day, and I uh, would love to talk to you about the things of the Lord. So 303-690-3000. I'll repeat that number throughout the program. And there's another means for you to be able to ask a question or to uh, have um, you give us our your prayer request. And that is a text line. And we don't always get to the text lines, but as time allows, we will. And, uh, and we'll uh, take those uh, text questions and prayer requests and we'll use it to uh, be a part of the program. And that number, the text line only, is 720-336-0897. And as we always encourage you, make sure you're in a safe place as you're texting. Uh, but perhaps you have the opportunity, maybe you're at home or uh, taking a walk or uh, watching the kids um, do practice with their sports, whatever it may be, you have the opportunity to call in. And really, this is your show, uh, those of you who call in. And uh, we want to be able to uh, encourage you. We want to be able to bless you, take you to the Word of God. 303-690-3000. You're listening to Calvary Life today with Pastor Jeff Figgs. I want to welcome all the Grace FM listeners along the Front Range in Colorado and up to southern Wyoming. Welcome. And uh, I want to also welcome all the uh, Truth FM and Hope FM listeners on the East Coast. You too can call at this number. You are a week delayed, but you can call in and uh, they'll answer the phone and you can be a part of the program and then listen to the conversation next week as you're a week delayed. Also want to welcome all the online listeners as well. I would encourage you, if you uh, don't have on your computer the Grace FM uh, website, that you can uh, pick it up and have it on your favorites or on um, your app, your smartphone and iPads. Uh, you can get the app. It's free and download it 
and I know that you'll be tremendously blessed by having it. I have it on my smartphone and on my iPad, and it's a blessing to be ha- have that available. So give me a call at 303-690-3000. We are in the season of Christmas and the season of Advent. I pray that as uh, we are headed towards Christmas and uh, the end of the year, that this season will be filled with joy and goodwill and peace as we focus on the Lord and as we remember the incredible gift of of Jesus Christ coming to us. And he would come um, as Isaiah chapter 9. I I love uh, these verses, and you're familiar with them, that for unto us a child is born, uh, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And a son has been given to us. A, a child was born uh, there 2,000 years ago in the little town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem means the house of bread, and born to us was the bread of life. And I remember that it was 25 years ago or longer uh, that that I was in Israel for the very first time, and uh, just sitting on the hillsides overlooking Bethlehem, uh, it was such a special time. Matter of fact, I was there in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. They had celebrated the first day of Hanukkah when I was there looking at Bethlehem and just thinking about the wonderful, incredible story, Christmas story, that God gave his son to us, born to give us um, hope, uh, and he came for a purpose, and that is he would grow to uh, minister uh, and to die uh, outside of Jerusalem. And, and it's such a magnificent story, and I hope that we keep that in the forefront of our Christmas season this year, that a son uh, was given and a child was born, and he is God incarnate that came to give us hope as he would grow up and then go to a cross and die for his sins. Well, we're going to go to the phone lines. Let's go to Ken in Aurora. Ken? Hi, how are you doing, uh, Pastor Figs? Good. How are you today? I'm doing well. I had a question for you regarding the curse of Ham in Genesis 9. Okay. I guess my question for you is, um, as I'm reading through, it gets to the uh, fourth verse when it says, Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him, uh, and that uh, he cursed, and he said, Cursed be Canaan and servant of servants and so forth. And it goes down, and I guess I'm just trying to understand what the curse was all about. Um, what had what had he done that he awoke and was angered and cursed uh, and cursed his son? Yeah, because when you read it, it it sounds you know kind of severe that you know his dad uh, Noah was drinking wine. Uh, he's in his tent. He's uncovered in his tent, and so you know he goes out and uh, told his two brothers outside. It doesn't sound like a big deal, does it? And um, no. but Shem and uh, Jephthah took a garment, laid it over both their shoulders, and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. And, and I think that as we look at that, um, I think it was more than, um, you know, that what he did, um, Ham was, uh, you know, dad's passed out in a tent there, 
Um, and I'm just letting you know, I think he was mocking his dad probably. He he was probably making fun of him in some way and didn't show any respect. We know that because his two brothers did end up showing respect to him. And um, so, uh, you know, the phrase became uncovers the idea that, you know, of course, he was laying there in his his nakedness and um but it was uh, the curse that was given um and so he knew he ended up understanding what his younger son had done to him um so again it's it's more than just one of his sons seeing his nudity but um i believe that it, it was some way mocking him and um and so um the curse came upon him so um yeah Okay. Okay. I was always uh, curious about and, that. But um, I think and, I think that it, it was also, you know, a that Noah's prophetically revealing the destiny of his son uh, Canaan, and you know the Canaanites would be the unbelievers. So there was a curse, but it isn't like okay, somebody says I'm going to put a curse on you. I think that prophetically he's speaking about the Canaanites that would be ones that their line would come through that would be unbelievers and the Canaanites that uh, God would bring judgment to. And um, so uh, that's what we see there. Um, so I think Noah's more properly prophesying. God told him what would happen to uh, his son. So um, so that's that's what we see in that story. Okay. Thank you so much for bringing clarification. Like I said, I, I had no idea. You know. Yeah, and you know, and the thing it reminds me of, Ken, is that the Bible says, "What was one of the um, Ten Commandments?" Is to honor mom and dad. And obviously, yeah. you know, Ham didn't honor him. That's the first lesson that we see. And I think there's a lesson of. You know, we live in a society and in a culture where we love to expose people. We love to expose their sin. We love to expose their nakedness. And and it could become very, very ugly. And I think that's what this did. And then, as I think about it, it just kind of came to me that as, you know, here is his other two brothers that uh, covered their the nakedness of their father. It reminds me so much of what the Bible says that it's um, love that covers a multitude of sins. And in that verse there, that when, you know, it doesn't mean that we just overlook sin or, you know, condone or no big deal, but we're not going to be exposing it. We're not out to do people harm because they sin. Um, We are honest with them. We can bring correction and rebuke to them. Certainly, we're told in Scripture. But, you know, it's it's love that says, listen, you've sinned, and I'm going to keep loving you. I'm going to be honest with you. And that's what it means, that that is love that covers a multitude of sins. And, um, and, and so they covered their father, and he's at fault for doing that. It, certainly, um, he shouldn't have done that. But it seems like this was a ham was kind of like, you know, great disrespect, probably laughing, look at dad, ha, ha, ha. And that's not the way the bee is a Christian. So it brings me those thoughts as I read this story, and then the curse comes, prophetically speaking, of the line of Canaan. Okay. <laughs> that, that's what I needed to know. 
I have one more quick question if you have a second. Okay. Um, my question is, you know, when do you think, I know it's not totally said in the Bible, but, well, maybe it is. Um, when did Jesus knew he was, <laughs> if that makes sense, in terms of like, you know, I mean, he was a baby and you know, he grew right. to be a little boy and then to be a young man and then a man. At what point, I know early on, um, you know, the Bible spoke of, uh, Joseph and the family had kind of moved on, and he was back at the temple, and, you know, right. so, you know, I imagine maybe he was a teen, I'm not sure, but uh, do you have any kind of thought on when he became self-aware that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, and so forth? Well, he, he would grow, as Luke's Gospel tells us of that story, when he was at the temple, he was 12 years old. That's the only okay. information that's given to us about his childhood and that he told the religious leaders, or he told his his parents, his mom, and and more accurately, his stepdad, because the father is his 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 real dad, father. But um, he said, "I'm I'm about my father's business." So he knew at that point, right? And right. Um, how soon before that? Because he would. He was an infant. He grew. He didn't show off to his friends, you know, doing miracles and things like that. So we don't know exactly when that is, um, but yeah. all we know is that he probably was raised in his father's carpenter shop. Um, you know, Joseph, it seems to give indication, would pass away. And um, and even when he said that at the age of 12, they didn't understand Mary and Joseph. You know, what's he talking about? What's, you know, that he's be about his father's business? Is he looking for, you know, work here at the temple to do some carpenter work? You know, they're, they're, they don't get it. But it does say that he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So that's where we leave it at. And there's all kinds of speculations that people come up with, and especially to the New Age people, and that he went at that time to India and all this nonsense. Um, but um, we that's all we know, and that's the only thing that's mentioned of his childhood. Okay. Thank you so much, Pastor. You bet, Ken. Thanks for your call. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. You too will. Okay, how this works, as you know probably, that when somebody hangs up, there's a a line. Grab one of those open lines. But uh, the number to call, 303-690-3000, is the number to be on the show. Let me give you that text number again, 720-336-0897. And maybe uh, you got some questions about Jesus' first advent and Christmas story, or maybe you got some questions about uh, his second advent uh, that the Scripture talks about. But let's go to Chris. He has a question from Denver. Chris? And that's exactly my question is, what is advent? And also, are you there? Yep, I am here. Okay. And also, you had mentioned Hanukkah as well. Um, so, yeah, if you could just address a little bit of uh, your knowledge on those, I'd love to learn. Yeah, the Advent just speaks of of um, the coming of Jesus, his first Advent. Actually, um, the, traditionally, it, it um, starts at a certain time and ends on Christmas Eve. Uh, this year, they say it begins on December 2nd and ends on December the 24th. So the season of Advent for the church, you know, uh, you'll you'll hear churches say the, the season of Advent is speaking of his first coming, the 
birth of Jesus Christ. So that's okay. what we're celebrating, right? Okay. There is going to be a second advent in his second coming, of course, that the Scripture talks about. Now, Hanukkah, and uh, Hanukkah is celebrated about this same time. Uh, I, I believe there's a brief reference to it in John chapter 10. And um, let me see if I can find it here. That uh, the Feast of Lights are in John chapter 8, perhaps. I'll find it. Um, okay. But um, he, he's there in the wintertime. He's celebrating a feast. And, um, and that winter feast was called the Feast of Lights, or what we, what we call Hanukkah. And, um, and during that Hanukkah, Hanukkah, that feast is not mentioned in the Bible. But historically, what happened 200 years before Jesus came on the scene is that there was this terrible, uh, terrible king um, that was uh, called Antiochus Epiphanes, a Syrian king that came into Jerusalem, and he went into the temple, and he desecrated the temple. Now, when you read the book of Daniel, Daniel speaks of Antiochus Epiphanes in the prophecies in, in chapter 11. Uh, I believe uh, another reference, uh, going back and looking at it, that Antiochus Epiphanes is a type of, uh, points to the future one that will come on the scene, the Antichrist in the future. But Antiochus, he comes on the scene about 186 B.C., and he goes into the temple, and he desecrates the temple. He takes a pig, um, kills the pig in the Holy of Holies, smears the blood all over. Of course, uh, pigs were considered unclean at that time. He he tries to make some of the priests drink pig's blood. He tried to do away with all Judaism and, and to bring in paganism. And what happened was that Judas Maccabee, this Jewish man, uh, his father, I believe, was killed by Antiochus. Antiochus killed many Jews at that time. He begins this revolt, uh, Judas Maccabee and his brothers. And after about nine years of struggle and you know just warfare, they finally drive Antiochus out. And as they drove Antiochus out and the Syrian soldiers, they celebrated. They cleansed the temple, they rededicated it, and they relit the menorah that was there in the temple. And mm-hmm. the problem was when they relit, you know, the seven-branch uh, menorah, um, they lit it, and they didn't make any extra holy oil. So usually they would have to fill up those bowls, the, the lampstand that was in the holy place, had, you know, the bowls that were on top of each of those branches, and they had to continually every day fill them up, and they had wicks floating in there. So they thought, oh, no, the lights are going to go out. This is bad. This is not good. And God, miraculously, it, it took like eight days to make a new batch of oil. So miraculously, those that lamp stayed lit for the entire entire eight days. It was a miracle. So they celebrated that, and they call it the Feast of Lights. And the Jews celebrate it. And now when they light a menorah, I believe it's it's nine branches, and they light the middle branch, and then uh, four on one side, four on the other side, for the eight days that the, the lamp was lit, and Antiochus was driven out, and they rededicated the temple and and so they celebrated that in the winter time. That's when Jesus was there in the winter time, 
um, and he would uh, be there uh, celebrating the feast. Uh, the feast of of Pentecost came after the feast of Passover that was in the spring, in early summer, and then there was the feast of Tabernacles in the fall. So when it mentions that Jesus is at the feast, um, oh, here it is in verse 22 of John chapter 10. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. So that is a specific reference to what they celebrate, the Feast of Lights, or what is Hanukkah. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so awesome. much. That you're, that's amazing. <laughs> you, you bet. You I, bet, Chris. All right. You have a blessed day. You too. Thanks for calling us. It really is fascinating, that story. Daniel speaks about Antiochus Epiphanes. Antiochus Epiphanes, what the Jews called him. Uh, Antiochus, the madman. And he killed many Jews at that time. And, and, of course, you hear the Maccabean brothers and Judas Maccabee and it's also at that time where we get where Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem that they waved the palm branches um, at that time that they drove out Antiochus. They would cut down the palm branch trees and wave them in celebration. And what it meant was a national political freedom from Antiochus. So when Jesus comes riding in right during Passover in the spring, what happened was is that they were saying to people that we expect Jesus, Luke's gospel tells us they were expecting him, I believe it's in chapter 19, to usher in the kingdom immediately. And they're expecting, you know, that the kingdom of God's going to come, Rome's going to get it, we're going to be free from the oppression of Rome, the yoke of Rome. And so they're waving the palm branches. And that all goes back to that time of the Feast of Lights, the Feast of Dedications, when Antiochus was driven out. That's uh, what took place 200 years before Jesus. But we do want to continue with the phone calls. Hey, give me a call. we got a couple open lines, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Kathleen in New Jersey. Hi, Hi Kathleen. <laughs> okay, I have a very strange question. Um, okay. I've learned so much in the last year about things that... Um, I never knew about, like, you know, the, the men of renown, the old, you know, in the Old Testament, and uh, demons, and, um, uh, you know, fallen angels, and the giants that, you know, when they had babies with human women. But now I heard from um, a very reliable source, a, a wonderful Christian lady, that there were actually mermaids, too. Okay. And what do you know or think about <laughs> the, the fact that there are mermaids? You know, like, because when... As the first gentleman said about the had this question about Noah, um, after you know things got just as bad afterwards, and yeah. that these things were carried on through the lines of things like mermaids because uh, God obviously didn't um, kill the things in the ocean, and Noah didn't. I mean, Noah obviously didn't take uh, aquatic things onto the boat because they could just live in the ocean. So that's how those things were carried. You know, the bloodlines through uh, these. Half human, half humans. So she said that they really were mermaids. And to what extent, I don't know. But yeah. what do you know? Yeah. Think about that. Here's the thing, Kathleen. When somebody brings up something like that, um, you know, usually what you can say, um, uh, you know, very um, gently is say, "Well, where is that in the Bible?" And and I'm sure she'll say, "I don't know," because I don't see it in the Bible. 
I don't find mermaids in the Bible whatsoever. I think it's a mythical, um, you know, a teaching or belief of mermaids. The only thing that's mentioned of the sea creatures is the Leviathans. Job talks about that. Psalms talks about that. And that's more of a dragon, more of a um, sea creature of some sort. Um, but there's no mermaids that are mentioned. And um, generally, sea creatures are all lumped together that, um, that I know of. Uh, the, you know, the deep, uh, even when Jonah was swallowed by um, a large fish, we don't know for sure. We assume it's a whale, but does it doesn't even say it's a whale. Now, we know whales existed in those times, but nowhere in the Bible, Kathleen, do we see things as mermaids. So when people bring out things like this, you know, it can be interesting and stuff, and you did the right thing in calling. But I usually ask, oh, that's interesting. You know, where where is that um, in the Bible? And um, they, they won't be able to reference it. So there's nothing in the Bible that I know of of mermaids. Um, along the same line, then, um, I never believed in uh, dinosaurs. <laughs> and then my sister said that when she went to see the Ark, the Ark we experienced in Kentucky, that they yeah. that, uh, he did take dinosaurs onto the Ark. So how do they yeah. fit in with history? Well, that's a good question. And it's interesting because we know that the Earth was, um, the climate was completely different before the flood. Um, the fossil records kind of show that they have found um, tropical plants in the Sierra Desert, in the Antarctica, up in the Arctic Circle, mammoths they have found with vegetation in its mouth. So something happened very, very quickly, and I believe the flood indicates to us that um, as the waters came up under the crust of the earth, the firmament around the earth collapsed. It rained for 40 days. And, of course, all of the world was flooded. There are some people that say it was just a localized flood. The Bible's very clear. When you read about it in Genesis, when you read about the flood in in the book of uh, Psalms, it references in Isaiah even, that it, it is very clear it was a worldwide flood. So dinosaurs no doubt existed during that time because we have fossil records of them, right? And okay. um, so... The, the dinosaurs brought on the ark, they didn't have to be adult dinosaurs. They right. could be, you know, baby dinosaurs. Well, after the flood, the climate was a lot different. Instead of being tropical all over the uh, world, there's temperate climates, and they couldn't exist. They, they became extinct at that time. And um, they they couldn't survive the new atmosphere that was there with seasons and cold and mountains and snow and all of that. So I believe that's, you know, brought the extinction of the dinosaurs um, to the planet. So the the atmosphere was completely different. And and even Genesis talks about now there's seasons and and snow and all of that. Um, So the dinosaurs uh, didn't make it. And... um, and um, that's kind of a simple explanation, but answers in Genesis there where, um, th- where the ark is probably has a lot better explanation than what I just gave to you, what happened to the dinosaurs. But we do know that they were real. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank- and I You're welcome so your much. <laughs> Thank great. you, Kathleen. Appreciate you guys calling on the East Coast. So have a great day. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bye-bye. You bet. 
Always love hearing from you guys on the East Coast. It's such a blessing, and I welcome you. And even though you're a week delayed, it, Kathleen gets to listen to the conversation next week. And uh, such a blessing to be a part of your lives as well. And those of you who are listening on Grace FM, our uh, Hope FM, Truth FM, of course, those of you listening on Grace FM are listening live. Um, what a blessing it is to be connected to you guys out on the East Coast in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, and Tennessee, and parts of Kentucky, and all of that. So we're getting ready to go on a break. So I know we got a couple phone lines that are taken up. Uh, hang on. We'll get to uh, everybody when we come back on the other side of the break. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. This is Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley. Taking your questions and prayer requests, give me a call, 303-690-3000. But let's go ahead and go to the phone lines. Bobby has been waiting patiently from Baltimore. Bobby? Hello. Hello, Bobby. You're on Calvary Live. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you so much for your program. It's a wonderful thing that we have that still. Uh, uh, You know, uh, I'm sure it, it, it costs a lot of money to do all these things, and with God's power, these things do happen, and it's a wonderful thing. Now, even in Maryland, we have such good uh, music, you know, Christian channels, and and uh, and good. through this ninety-seven-five, I located you, and it was uh, I'd listen to you after work, uh, listen to what people say, and and, and uh, it's it's a good thing, and I thank you for your your uh, generosity and 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 uh, using God's word to open up yeah. eyes and hearts. So my thing is, is uh, you know, I I'm very impressed on you know how God has sustained me in many ways, and uh, he you know it was uh, approximately I'm going to say almost 27 years ago. Uh, I was drinking a lot, and I was just not caring and. Basically, you know, when you do that, you invite the devil into your your life. You know, we all know that. And, uh, it, it, you know, God still was, no matter what, you know, uh, I was brought up a Catholic, but we never went to church. You know, we, we grew up drinking, smoking cigarettes and driving like maniacs. And that's another reason why I'm lucky to be alive, because, you know, You'd be driving down a country road going uh, 115 miles an hour in a Toyota, and this is in 1977, you know, 76, you know, those small cars, you know, on the country road, you know, that's just too fast. And then all the excessive drinking, you know, it was permitted in, in, in our life. And okay. I'm very mm-hmm. much against it. I, 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 I'm just glad that, you know, God, when, I, when the Creator 
and the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. He was he he was there, you know, when I needed him the most, and uh, and I still do. We all do need him. We let our hands down. You know, right. it's severe out here now. It's it, not no yeah. joke no more. It's yeah. it is it is severe right now. The the time that we're in the critical points of. You know, if you look around, look at the signs of the times, and that's my concern right there. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, it God is good, and he's faithful to us and full of grace. So, you know, Bobby, we can pray about that. Did you have something that you wanted to pray about specifically? Well, just basically, okay, he recently, I did a 360, you know, just completely turned around, and uh, of all things, I started uh, studying astronomy. <laughs> of all things, who would have thought I'd be doing this, really? Yeah. That's the last thing I thought I'd be doing, and then all of a sudden I come up with with videos and pictures and proof of what is out there in our universe and, and what is coming, you know, because God has His planets there, all His yeah. signs that He makes, you know, just like He told His apostles, yeah. the, the moon right. and the sun yeah. and the stars will be signs. That's yeah. what they're for. Yeah. And, and we're, you know, we're seeing that what, today. And, and, yeah, and, I, and there are signs. And, and, Bobby, what we can do, let's pray. Let's pray that people are knowing that the Lord's going to come back and he's been good to you. You're given a praise of God's report in your life. So, Father, I pray for Bobby. I just pray that I thank you for his call, and he's excited about you, and I just pray that he would uh, study the Scriptures. And we know that in the last days there will be great signs. There will be cosmic disturbances and all of that, but we can trust in you. And I'm thankful for us as the church that we're not going to be in that time of tribulation when the sun goes dark and the moon um, doesn't you know, give it, it turns red. But Lord, that we can trust you and, and look to you and because uh, you're the creator and you sent your son the first time for us. Your son's going to come back this time as the reigning, uh, ruling Savior and Lord. And we thank you very much. So I thank you for Bobby in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate Amen. you calling. Amen. Appreciate you. All right, God bless you guys out there in the East Coast. Hey, let's go to line three to Laura in Aurora. Laura? Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for I calling. Just wanna, yeah, I just want to tell you, Pastor Jeff, I so appreciate you. I appreciate all the Calvary broadcasts. Um, I work on the weekends, so I don't get a chance to get into church and this is how I get fed, so it's awesome. Absolutely it is a awesome. blessing. I oh love this gosh. radio so, station. I get fed. When I come to church this morning listening, you know, to Pastor Ed and Dave Love, and I learn so much. So, you know, it's it's a privilege to be a part of this, this ministry, the radio ministry. So thank you. Definitely. So my question is, and I know God's the one that— decides our, you know, eternal, uh, you know, the decision of where we spend eternity. But I don't know. I just have this question. Um, what is your opinion on uh, the Jewish people that perished in the Holocaust? Um, do you think they get eternal life? I mean, we, you know how us as born-again Christians, you know, we accept Jesus into our heart and you know, and all the verses that go along with that. Um, what's your opinion on that, of the 
the Jewish well, people that passed away in the Holocaust. Yeah, let's let's see what the Bible has to say. And yes. as we read the Bible, Jesus would say to his disciples that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Um, it's not the first time that he claimed, you know, to be the way. He did not say that he was a way. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a very simple statement to understand. He would say to the religious leaders that were Jewish that if you do not believe that I am him, then you will die in your sins. If you don't believe that I'm the Son of God, if you don't believe whom the Father has sent. So salvation comes, as you look consistently in the New Testament, by faith in Jesus Christ. Um, We're studying the doctrine of justification in the book of Romans. Paul begins to bring this, and he says that even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for word there is no difference. He, first of all, in the first three chapters, he gives this indictment against mankind that we're all sinners. To To the immoral person of chapter one, to the self-righteous person, and, and he's, he's pretty much talking about the, the Hebrew reader, the Jewish reader has the law. He says, yes. you can't keep the law. That if you think that you're going to be saved by keeping the law, you will be saved if you stand perfectly before God, if you keep the law perfectly. But the problem is, you go into chapter 3, he says, no one does that. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So he says, you too are guilty. So whether yeah. you're Gentile or Jew, whether you are heathen or Hebrew, whatever, um, there is no difference, he says. Um, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. There is some teaching out there that, that is called a, a dual covenant, that the Jews, they are God's chosen people. They are God's covenant people. He's not through with them. He still has a plan for them. And Paul continues to talk about that. Um, in chapter 9 and 10 and 11 of Romans, and he says to them um, that, uh, that in the book of Romans, let me read it to you, I'm in 1 Corinthians, but um, he grieved in his heart. He, he said in chapter 9, that I'm not lying my conscience, also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I w- could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ, for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. So he's grieving over their unbelief. And then in chapter 11, he says, God cast away his people. He said, certainly not. Um, He's not done with his people. But salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. There is nowhere in the Scripture that I see a dual covenant, that because they are Jewish, that they are saved, that they, they automatically have salvation. Matter of fact, the Lord warned against that. John the Baptist warned against that. Um, and we see that even Paul in chapter 4 of the book of Romans, he says that for you who may protest that is faith in Jesus Christ, he goes back and he uses Abraham as an example. And he shows us, and the book of Galatians does too, 
that the vital link to Abraham is through faith, faith in Jesus Christ, to be a true descendant of Abraham. Now, we know that Jesus, in John chapter 8, that they were boasting. They came came challenging his authority, uh, his witness, and uh, we know that uh, Jesus addressed that um, as he would say to them that my witness uh, is true. And we know that um, he, he would say to him again um, that, uh, um, that, um, that um, I come from and where I'm going, you don't know. I come from where I'm going. Um, and he talks about, I'm the one who bears witness of myself and the Father who sent me. But then they said, well, we're Abraham's descendants. And Jesus answered, and he said, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but if you were Abraham's children, then you would do the works of God. So what's okay, the works yeah. of God? They came to him. They said, what must we do to do the works of God? And, and Jesus said, believe on him whom he has sent. In other words, believe on me. So there's no indication of a dual covenant whatsoever. So faith in Jesus Christ, and that's why Paul says that blindness has come to Israel in part, there have been those of the you know Jews that have come to believe and believe in Jews. We rejoice in that, but the time's going to come at the end of, of the tribulation period where their eyes are going to be opened up, and Paul says in that day all of Israel will be saved. But they're going to recognize that Jesus is their Mashiach. But we see yeah. Jesus grieving over Jerusalem, you know, he wept over Jerusalem. He said, how I long to gather you to myself as a mother hen gathers her chick under her wings, but you are not willing to come and you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So it's faith in Jesus Christ. And and even though they are God's covenant people, he's not through with them. Salvation is by faith in him alone. And, and that's what we see in the scriptures. Yeah, that's... That's, you know, I know the scriptures too, but I don't know, I guess the human side of me is just like, oh, they went through something awful, so don't they get they have. automatically, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And and it's a key what Paul says, you know, there is no difference. Jew or Gentile, we all need Jesus Christ. So that's what the scripture says. And that's why we pray for them. God's going to do a marvelous work. We pray that their eyes are opened up uh, to see that Jesus is their Messiah. But we also pray for, you know, the other nations and, and um, you know, we all need Jesus. That's the bottom line, right? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. Well, I appreciate your time. And uh, I Thanks, just Laura. appreciate all of Calvary. Thank you so very much. You bet. Thanks for your encouragement. Hey, we have some open lines. We've still got plenty of time in the show. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figgs. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Grab one of those open lines. Let me give you the text uh, number again, 720-336-0897 if you want to text in a prayer request or call in. But let's go to Bonnie. She's been waiting patiently from Maryland. Bonnie? Yes, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Bonnie? Um, I couldn't be better, but, um, I have a couple of prayer requests that I'd like to, um, say. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I, I need to pray for, um, it's, there's some place that I applied to, it's called Carroll Gardens, and hopefully, mm-hmm. um, 
town home and hopefully God will bless us with that. And I have the second interview with Wegmans. Hopefully God will lead me to say the right thing. So those two things I wanted to pray about. Absolutely. I'd love to do that. So Father, I pray for Bonnie and she has a couple job interviews um, and um, opportunity for a, a new place to live. And we just give you know, all that to you. I pray that you give Bonnie the right words to say as she interviews for this job opening, that um, that it'd be the right job, that you would provide for her um, for a, a new home and opportunity. Lord, bless her, give her wisdom, give her assurance, uh, give her strength, that you would just be in this and give her a peace that you're working in her life and that the promise is that you will supply all her needs in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, bless her, work, and show yourself strong on her behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. I Bonnie, really like hey, your show. Thank you. I appreciate the encouragement. Hey, keep keep us updated, okay? Sure. Let us know how it goes. All right. Okay. All thank right. you. You bet. Hey, 303-690-3000. We got some open lines. I do have, let's go to Corey on line one. Corey? I don't know if Corey's there, still typing something. So anyhow, we do have some time for you to call in, 303-690-3000, Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs. We've had a great show so far. Let's go to a text question. There's a couple of text questions that came in, actually kind of tie in together. One uh, text question came in. My 10-year-old daughter asked me, how did the Magi, when they followed the star, um, that they were looking for the king of uh, Israel. And uh, it ties in with another text question. I'm going to kind of answer them uh, together. Um, is it true that the wise man may not uh, have appeared? Um, they appeared, that is, much later with gifts to baby Jesus. Some say Jesus may have been about two years old, wondering, thank you. I'm going to answer those two questions kind of together that we we read about that in Matthew's narrative. And Matthew records how the wise man, the Magi, came from the east following the star. And uh, many of you know the story that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, so right there it tells us it was not the night that Jesus was born, but after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, um, that wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, "'Where is he who has been born King of the Jews?' For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So the first text question is, how did they know that this star was going to lead them to the king of the Jews or the king of Israel? And I think that the answer is coming from the east. They're probably coming from the area of Babylon um, where Daniel was some, um, you know, uh, he was there some 600 years before this. And Daniel, of course, in Daniel chapter 9, he gives that incredible prophecy of the 70 weeks of Daniel, and he speaks about when Messiah the Prince would come after the command to rebuild and restore Jerusalem, and that uh, would uh, give a timeline, would be uh, 69 weeks or 69 periods of seven years. So they had some clue about when Messiah the Prince would come through the prophecies of Daniel. So I think that obviously Daniel had a school of prophecy. He taught them, uh, those, those wise men, magi uh, of the East, 
and they were watching. They were watching the calendar, and they were looking at the prophecies of Daniel. So that's where they knew that Messiah the Prince was going to come. And then it says that um, that as uh, they came to him in Bethlehem, that um, I want to read it to you, that uh, they went to uh, see Herod the Great. He was troubled that they had come. And, and here's the other thing, that we have the manger scenes, the nativity scenes of three wise men. Um, we don't know if there's three. It says wise men, plural. It could have been two. It could have been three. I think three makes a nice uh, little, you know, um, a scene there, three gifts that we know that they brought, uh, Francis, myrrh, uh, and gold, and uh, three wise men carrying the gift. But it could have been a hundred wise men. I have the tendency to think that it was probably at least a couple dozen wise men, maybe many more, because it got the attention of Herod the Great. He did not like that. He did not like that they were looking for the king of the Jews, that there's some kind of king that was born. That's why he, being so paranoid, makes the decree to kill all the male children two years and under in Bethlehem because uh, it says that when they had, in verse 11, come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. So he was probably two years old. They were in a house at that time, um, and uh, he was a child, so a little toddler. And right after that, they would have to flee. So hopefully that answers both of those questions about where the Magi came from, um, they came from the east, probably studying the prophecies of Daniel, and then he was about two years old when the wise men show up. So don't get rid of your nativity scenes. You know, if they have wise men, you might put them on the other side of the room, you know, or on the other side of the table because they did come a little bit later. But they are an important part of, um, you know, Jesus. Um, later on, they brought the gifts uh, to him, but he was in a house at that time. And uh, that's what the scripture declares to us. So good, good questions, um, and love to answer those questions as we look uh, at the Christmas story and and the uh, story at Advent, Jesus' first coming. But let's go to, let's see, we want to go to Mark in Longmont, on line two. Mark, hi, how are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Thanks for calling. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, I just have a couple of prayer requests. Um, well, one of them is that I'm a Awana leader uh, here in Longmont, and I just um, <laughs> I just don't feel like I um, one. Okay, so obviously I care about these kids' salvation, and um, sometimes I just um, <laughs> sometimes I don't feel like I am worthy enough for the task, kind of thing. Well, um, none of us are. You know, Mark, none of none of us are. I know that feeling. Um, but I'll give you a verse that hope is an encouragement to you because it's an encouragement to me, that God chooses the foolish things of the world to confine the wise, and he chooses the weak things of the world to put down the strong, and the things that are not to bring the not the things that are, that no man but glory in his presence. So he likes to use guys like you and me uh, because he gets the glory. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And then the second prayer request, um, I'm also a college student as well, and mm-hmm. um, I just feel like that my uh, my studies, I have, um, <laughs> I feel like I haven't had enough 
because I do online college, so I've been doing it like um, you know basically all throughout the year, and so uh, sometimes you know it's hard to focus. <laughs> yeah, and um, I just am like, oh man, I just I just need prayer for um, just perseverance through my college studies. Absolutely, love to. Father, I do pray for Mark as he's leading a WANA group so incredible, uh, ministering to our youth, uh, to our kids. Uh, what a privilege it is. And Lord, none of us are worthy, um, but you call us. And uh, we thank you that you desire to use us. You desire the weak to use the weak and foolish things of the world. Um, Lord, I pray that you would anoint Mark, that you would uh, enable him, that you would uh, just help him with the ministry because you're the one that gifts us and you're the one that gives us the ability and use them in a powerful way. How our young people need to hear the gospel and the truth of scripture. So I thank you that he's made himself available and Lord, I pray that you help him minister um, to them in, in a wonderful way and to love those kids and help them as he has college classes. Uh, I know the college kids, uh, I have two in, in my family, that are finishing up semester and finals and tests and everything else, just be with him, help him to focus, get his studies done, uh, to be able to complete uh, his semester, what he's doing. Just be with him and guide him, uh, help him in every way. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You bet, Mark. Hey, I'm glad you made yourself available to minister to those kids. It's so needed. Thank you. You bet. Absolutely. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you as well. All right. All right. Hey, let's go to Corey. He's back with us on line one. Corey from Colorado Springs. Corey? Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you, Corey? Sorry, I lost you the not, first time. Not too bad. Not too bad. Good. Yeah, I just wanted Good. to kind of expand on your discussion of Hanukkah um, uh-huh. earlier when you actually read John 10 with the background so much more um can actually jump off that page i'm sure there is yeah the 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 story of judah maccabee and the revolt um and the one day of oil lasting eight um but you bring into that antiochus epiphanes and um claiming he was god when he uh, occupied the temple and then you you put jesus in the temple courts during the Feast of Dedication, and he's, you know, you read John 10, kind of 14 through 18, and he's kind of setting up the Good Shepherd and uniting right. one people, and guess what the listeners are going to think about? Uh, Judah Maccabee and the people uniting uh-huh. under him to rededicate themselves to God. Yeah, yeah. And then you it, read it, down into, so they're, they're kind of associating Jesus with Judah Maccabee, and then you read down into verse... Um, let's see, 25 through 30-ish, and he finally gets to, I and the Father are one. Well, they're, right. they're, the listeners are going to switch and say, whoa, wait a second, you were the yeah. good guy in the story. Now you're, now you're more relating to Antiochus Epiphanes and saying, you're, you're standing in this temple claiming you're God? Whoa, hang on. And then he yeah. gets into... Um, he quotes from, from Psalms, and he gets down into, um, you know, do uh, you say of him who the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? And you can actually uh, translate it, that word consecrated to dedicated. So 
actually he's standing in the temple um, at the Feast of Dedication saying, not only am I God, but just as you rededicated the temple years earlier, God has now dedicated me. Yeah. And, you know, when he did say that I and my Father are one, they knew exactly what he was talking about. That He was talking about being God because they were looking for the uh, Messiah, even as they do today, to be a, one who's going to free them politically. And um, here he's saying the Father and I are one, and and they picked up rocks to stone him. And he's saying, from what works do you want to stone me? They said, not any work but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. And that's one of the things that Antiochus, that he set up an image um, of of Zeus or somebody there in the temples, what I read in the history. Um, but he was claiming to be their Messiah. He was claiming to, you know, uh, be God, as you said. And then that points to, in Daniel's prophecy of the Antichrist, that he's going to do the same thing, right? He's going to set up an image of himself there in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. And as Paul writes in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, that he's going to, um, to claim to be God, to be worshipped as God in the temple of God. So it's all connected together, and um, so it's great. Hey, appreciate your call. Corey, thanks. Appreciate the encouragement that you just gave in Scripture. Thank you for everybody that called. And uh, we're going to talk to you next time. Have a great, great evening. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.